You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, make sure you always, as or I should say, make sure you should, as always, download the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your podcasts. And check us out on, on YouTube, because we are now uploading every single show in full video under the Odyssey Sports YouTube channel. All right, we'll play a little game of this coach or that coach here in a second. Which one would you rather have? But let me ask you this, George, because it's the last time we did record the pod. It was assumed, just not official, but now it is official. The Texans have hired D'Amico Ryan to be their head coach. And when you look around in the AFC South, George, the Colts the only right now team with a vacancy. You have Doug Peterson, who turned the Jaguars from a three-win team into a playoff team and a, and a team that won a game in the playoffs. You have Mike Vrabel, who is one of – top five coaches in the NFL, depending on kind of, you know, your rankings, but he's right there in the mix as one of the best head coaches in the NFL. And now Tamika Ryan is one of the most respected coaches on this, uh, in this latest search. Hey, will he be a head coach? That's obviously we'll see, but so far all the signs indicate that he will be a really good head coach. I think it's fair to say no matter who the Colts hire out of the eight finalists or eight coaches still alive. I, I keep saying finalists. I, I apologize here. We still got a long way to go, but of the eight coaches alive, I don't think it matters, George, who they hire. I think it's starting in 2023, week one, the Colts without, uh, will without a doubt have the worst head coach, uh, at least to start the season. Would you agree with that? Yeah, on paper. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, on paper, yes. Um, because the resumes of these guys are not going to match up. I mean, Ryan's had the number one defense in the NFL this year. You know, he was outside of Peyton and Harbaugh. He was the guy in this mm-hmm. round. You know, he, he was the candidate. Um, and so you're going to feel really good about them. Doug Peterson's obviously gone to a Super Bowl. Uh, and has done, you know, amazing things here in his first year in Jacksonville. Uh, and then Mike Vrabel is Mike Vrabel. And I think that's who they are really leaning towards. You know, um, I, I've said that before, that that's the style that they want, I think, is a Mike Vrabel type of guy. And I think that's why Wink Martindale remains in this focus right now. You know, I think that's why he's part of this group. Um, because, you know, look, nothing has made – Ursay angrier in recent years than than the dominance of the Titans in that series. Uh, and I don't think there's any coincidence that the craziness this year started after the second Tennessee loss. You know, that all of a sudden Matt Ryan's bench and you start firing coaches and you, and you do these things. Um, and I think he wants that style of coach. You know, it doesn't mean it's going to be Martindale um, because I think Raheem Morris is that way in a different, gets there in a different kind of fashion. Right. Um, but in obviously, I think the offensive coaches have to stay high on the list because that's, that's where the league's going. You know, if you go with defensive head coach, uh, it better be D'Amico Ryan's. You better be hitting a home run. But I just look at you know the things that that really both Ballard and Ursay have said uh, in the last couple of years about you know coaching in general and about Mike Vrabel specifically. And Vrabel was a finalist, you know, here before he got the Tennessee awesome. job. So. I feel like that's sort of the mold that that they want to get. So, yeah, you know, and you're going to have a lesser version of him, whoever you get, you know, you think at least going in. So I don't think it's I don't think there's any hyperbole in saying that they would be fourth in the division um, on paper coming in next year. And you look to me, that's a good point that they're trying to chase Mike Verb, which is something I didn't really, you know, I guess put two and two together because you look at the finalists or, again, the eight candidate list, four defensive coordinators or the defensive background, two are offense, one special teams, and just Saturday. So it's like they already have doubled up. Even though the league is trending in an offensive head coach direction, 
they have double as many defensive-minded head coach candidates as they do offensive-minded head coach candidates. Honestly, George, I think it's a dangerous game to play. I'm not trying to undermine what Mike Vrabel has done. He has dominated the Colts, and he is, again, just one of the five best coaches, I think, in the NFL. With that said, when you look at the, how the Titans are built, I know this is not really on him, but it's like the philosophy of defense, smash-mouth football. You need a lot of things to go right. We kind of saw it in 2021 with the Colts, with Carson Wentz, even though Frank Reich was that coach. That was a lot of run the ball, run first, play good defense, and not have your quarterback kind of really you know risk it. And the Titans, yes, made one AFC title game in 2019, have not been back since. They've been a perennial playoff team. But it's not like they're a real threat in the AFC. Even last year when we got the number one seed, no one really took them seriously. We saw it in the first game they played there, bounced by the Bengals. So it's like, I get, yes, that's been the thorn in your side the Titans have. I hate the Titans. I hate Mike Vrabel because, like I said, they have just owned right now the Colts and they can't seem to find a way to beat them recently. But with that said, Mike Vrabel is one of one. Like I mentioned, you're getting a watered-down version of whoever you do hire. So now it's already a dangerous game to play, number one. Number two, the Titans style has won the AFC South. But it's not really got them into that upper echelon of the AFC where you see the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals ascend to and right now are in a class of their own, in large part because they have the quarterback and they have an offensive-driven system. First, I know Sean McDermott's a defensive-minded guy, so he's got the outlier, but two out of the three are offensive-minded coaches. That does scare me a little bit, I will say, Georgia. If, if that's kind of the mold the Colts are looking for, I think it may be misguided in, in 2023 right now with the way the NFL is trending. It's definitely dangerous. There's no question about it. I think that mold, though, is less in play style than it is in in sort of personality and you know how they, like they, they approach things, leadership and and being that tough guy, um, tough love kind of a coach. You know, I mean, you do you get the feeling that uh, there's there's not accountability issues in Tennessee. You know what I mean? I don't That's think there's a lot sure. of talk about that. Um, but I think I think in terms of play style, uh, again. We're 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 working from a void here, and it's really just things that we know about Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay. I think in terms of play style, I think they lean towards more towards a Philadelphia or a San Francisco, where it's a balanced approach. You've got an offense uh, that can really get it done, but your defense is, you know, especially that pass rush. I know that's what they really want to get going. Both those teams, you know, really heavy in that area. Uh, we can win in multiple ways. I think. Ballard has said that about 15 times in the last few years. Um, I know he said it during the the most recent postseason press conference again. They want to be able to win in different ways. And the way you do that is you build a team like San Francisco or Philadelphia where you're good on all uh you know on all sides of the ball. Uh and so I think that's why it doesn't the head coach matters, but I think that's why they don't care what side of the ball he comes from because they're not, I know they're trying to become Kansas City and be the most explosive offense in the league. Uh, and I don't think they're trying to focus on one particular area. They want a CEO type, a leader of men um, who can come in here and, and mold that that total package on, on the – and, you know, the defense isn't far away. I think that's part of this too. I think they're probably more attractive yeah. to defensive coaches because the defense isn't far away. You look at what they did this year, and they had their moments. Believe me, they had their moments, uh, and they'll be the first to admit that. But you look at how Zaire Franklin came on – Grover Stewart and, and and DeForest Buckner, the dominance that they had, the way Quiddy Pay played when he was healthy. If you get Stephon Gilmore back for another year, and then you add a healthy Shaquille Leonard to that mix, um, the defense, you know, has has real, real prospects. So I think they feel like if they can get the offense to the point where it can just be in the middle of the league, then you can contend for the division and you can maybe start talking about the playoffs again. 
It was, I'm trying to rack my brain here. Wasn't it as late as that Monday night game against the Steelers? We're talking about this is fine. The defense can can be on a big stage where they'll actually get the credit mm-hmm. they deserve. And then from there, I think that last month, they just unraveled. And again, at that point, I can't blame them with Jeff Saturday, with the, how bad the offense is, three different quarterbacks down the last month of the season. So I get it. I get it for sure. But it was, it was funny. Like I said, for two-thirds of the year, three-quarters of the year, this defense is really damn good. And it's unfortunate that it was being overshadowed by Matt Ryan's inability to hold on to the football, the offensive line's inability to block, and the circus that surrounded the head coaching position for the Colts the second half of the year for sure. So you're not wrong about that. Like, that's part of the reason why I think more defensive coordinators are interested. Like you said, there's a lot of building blocks and a lot of pieces already in place where you could come in and kind of turn that defense, not even turn it around, but just come in and have immediate success on at least one side of the ball as you work through an offense that should have a rookie quarterback playing. All right, so let's play a little game, George, here. This coach or that coach, last week or last episode, I should say, we gave our, our predictions of who's going to be the Colts head coach. If you missed it, again, make sure you download uh, and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod uh, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. So I'm going to throw a few news by if you have any match, you know, combinations yourself. We'll have a little fun here. But I'll give you two names, this guy or that guy, which one would you rather have? We mentioned before they have two offensive uh, coaches right now that are of the eight remaining. Shane Steichen of the Eagles, Brian Callahan of the Bengals. So if Chris Ballard said, all right, we're taking an offense guy. It's down to these two. Who would you rather have, Callahan or Sykin? I would go with Callahan for experience. You know, I think he's been a coordinator longer. Uh, and I also – we talked about this a couple times. I, I really like the offensive line background that he has. I think that's really important for this franchise. I'm with you. Same. Offensive line background, someone who's worked with, you know, Joe Burrow, Peyton Manning. I know it's kind of in different contexts, but still, that's a guy that I like his experience. I like his background. He's had in multiple different areas of the offense. I would take Brian Callahan, Bengals OC, over the Eagles OC in Shane Steichen. How about defense? A hero, Evero, uh, Broncos defense coordinator, or Wink Martindale? Which one would you rather have if those are the two finalists? I'm really, like, honestly intrigued with Evero just because um, he's very young, uh, and especially as a coordinator, he's, he's only done that for a year. But I think you could – there's some D'Amico Ryans in him, I think. You know, he's got to prove it, um, and, and he's much – lower earlier in his career, but Vrabel was in the same spot when Tennessee hired him. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that much different. Honestly, um, Vrabel had a much longer playing career and had played under Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, which I think shows in the way that he coaches. Um, but there, you know, it, it, it was very young in, in that career and uh, people just, there was just a feeling like this is a rising star. And, and I think Evero has that about him. You know, there's there's this feeling that, hey, he's probably not going to be a head coach during this cycle, although the Colts or Cardinals could still hire him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's whoever lands him as a defense coordinator is going to be really, really excited. And so between those two, I would like the the ceiling on Evero. Let's put it that way. I'm with you there, too. What I like about Evero a lot is the fact that he's basically was in a similar situation as the with the Broncos as the Colts were, where you had a defense that was playing high level. And the offense was just not anemic. They were, you know, the laughing stock of the NFL. It wasn't just that they were bad. They were getting made fun of each and every week. And you kind of saw at the end of the season, the Colts defense just collapsed, right? You can only hold up for so long when the offense uh, is so feeble and that the Colts last month collapsed. The Broncos defense, their credit under everyone, he's got a lot of credit for this, have really never collapsed. Like they still played strong. They played really, you know, good football on the defensive end. They never really, for the most part, snapped and, you know, lashed out at Russell Wilson outside of, you know, one or two small instances. 
So he was able to still get his guys motivated playing hard, even though, again, you're looking at, you know, the, the worst offense, at least in the 15 games that Daniel Hackett was there, uh, the worst offense in the NFL. So the Colts weren't far off. So at least you have some familiarity for how dysfunctional last season was. You at least have a, a coaching prospect who basically was in a similar situation. So it's not like it's it's all foreign or he doesn't know how to react or be able to handle a team that was, I don't say fractured, but at least it did go through a lot of division last year between the offense and the defense. All right, how about Rich Passaccio did a really good job with the interim uh, as the Raiders uh, interim coach get into the playoffs last year or recently added Aaron Glenn. Would you go Aaron Glenn or Rich Passaccio? I go with Passaccio because of that run with the Raiders. I mean, if you're looking for a leader of men, he seems to have that. You know, we, we would have no idea what he wants to do on offense or defense, uh, but I think you would feel like he's going to be a guy that's going to come in there uh, and he's going to hold people accountable and he's going to not be overwhelmed by sort of the adversity here. I think that's a big thing. We want to talk about everything the Colts went through this year and it was plenty, but the Raiders last year, oh. the John Gruden incident and the Henry Ruggs situation, uh, and there were more. Those two alone are enough. I just think you're looking at a guy who is probably not going to be phased much by whatever comes his way. And with this franchise, that's important. I mean, what we've seen over the last five years is Murphy's Law here in Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's a guy who's prepared for that, who's been through it and, and shown that he can thrive in it. I would go Aaron Glenn. I like his energy. But also, too, I like the fact that you look at how that Lions defense developed. Like, a lot of young players on the defensive side of the football in the first first half of the year, they were awful. They were the worst defense in the NFL. Again, when you have a lot of youth, it makes sense. But he was able to turn that unit around and, and have that, you know, that Lions defense really kind of come into their own late in the season where we saw them week 18 with the Packers' chance to go to the playoffs just really, you know, put Aaron Rodgers in a blender and really have him struggle for most of that game. So I like the fact that he took a young roster and was able to show player development and was able to have them grow relatively quickly to where, again, we're talking about the worst defense in the NFL at the beginning of the year, end of the year. Closer to the middle of the pack, but there's a lot of improvement there. So with a Colts team that is young relatively on both sides of the ball, I kind of like how his player development skills, at least for a year in Detroit, seemingly were uh, were very high. Let's go two more here. A guy we talked about just a little bit before, Shane Steichen, kind of a, a fast riser on the offensive side of the ball. Evero, fast riser on the defensive side of the ball. Those two are the finalists, George. Who are you going with? Oh, man, that one's a good one. That one's really tough to choose between. I'm going to go with Steichen because – uh, just in general, I'm going to lean more towards the offensive guy over the defensive guy if it's close. You know, if, if it's a tight race, uh, because of what we were talking about before, if they both hit, if they're both the guy that you think they are, I feel better about Steichen replacing a defensive coordinator two, three years down the line than Evero having to, you know, get a new offense coordinator in here um, every couple of years, especially if you nail that quarterback pick. So uh, I would go with Steichen in that situation. Uh, but I think that's that's you can't lose with that combo. I uh, I'm with you. I I just the benefit of that or the, the tie goes to the offensive mind. Like I said, it's just it's that's where the league is. It's just your life is so much easier when your head coach is also either an offensive coordinator or has an offensive background. Just less turmoil and, and more continuity for the young quarterback you will have on your team. So I'm with you there. Tie always goes to the offensive mind uh, in that one. Last one here, George. I was thinking really hard, and maybe this is not the best comparison or, or the best, you know, guy to put them against. So if you have a better one, please feel free. Let me know. But I wanted to put Jeff Saturday in there. I want to kind of throw in, okay, who is there any option? Because I think any of the seven, fair to say, if we said him or Jeff Saturday, you're picking the other option. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, 
So I was trying to think, is there anyone else we could throw in there and talk about that maybe you'd have pause and say, you know, maybe I would take Jeff Saturday. So this is what I came up with. And again, feel free if you have a better name to throw it out. Would you rather have Jeff Saturday as the next head coach or Jim Irsay, owner coach? Ooh. Irsay it's was out, not a it's very good GM. Irsay was not a very good GM. When, no, when he did no, that, he was not. you know, that, that, that was not his strong suit. So I'm going to assume that his head coaching expertise is going to be in the same same level uh so i'll go with with jeff saturday here although i will say ursa's press conferences would be outstanding so from a media standpoint i would really that would be a lot of fun our producer aaron says jim ursa without a doubt and he's also a jets fan so maybe he's trying to have yeah. the cult just go as far deep into the ground as possible and have the jets rise up and not be you know at least for uh, the last few years a laughing stock in the nfl I think I'll go Jeff Saturday. Honestly, I think I'll go. That's maybe the only like I'm trying to. I was trying to kind of bring George seriously. Like, who else could I throw out there that we're really seriously could say? Eh, I probably have Jeff Saturday over this guy. And like, there's I, I don't really know. To me. like, I don't. I'm looking like all right. Maybe here's here's a better one. Jeff Saturday or Josh McDaniels. <laughs> Jeff won the head to head battle, so we got to go with Jeff on that one. <laughs> that I was I honestly forgot about that. I was just thinking of all the snake that he was for what happened head, years head, ago. head to head has to count we have to respect head to head results here that's true that's the only coach he out coaches here so you know, there it is we have found the guy we have found the actual candidate where jeff saturday would have an advantage over so i don't know if jeff saturday would he can't thankfully he can't convince chris bow to ever put you know joshua daniels back on his radar or even consider it so that's maybe the only chance jeff saturday has to be in the next head coach if it's him or Josh McDaniels. So uh, that's, there you go, Jeff. You got one. You got one candidate you could have a, a little bit of a, an upper uh, upper hand on. All right. As always, make sure you're downloading, subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. If you have a suggestion of any head coach candidate, you would you would have Jeff Saturday, uh, you would prefer Saturday over, please. Let us know uh, wherever you do get your pods. Let us know on YouTube in the comment section as well. I'm very curious because I was trying hard, George, trying hard to think of the names. Not many did pop up for sure. But again, make sure you're downloading, subscribing, wherever you do get your pods. And make sure you check us out on YouTube, Odyssey Sports.